What is the point in doing a study on God's attributes? We're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, October the 8th of 2008, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon, and welcome uh, to everybody to our new study that we're going to be starting on Wednesdays on the attributes of God. Now, we're calling this study Knowing God because the way we start to know God, the way we get to know God is by understanding his attributes. So this is going to be a fantastic study. I am just so excited to go uh, to be going through these attributes with you guys. I think we're all going to learn a lot from this, and it should be great for, for all of us, for our understanding of God. But anyway, I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, the weather here in Charlotte is getting a little bit cooler. Kind of feels good. I'm ready for fall. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'm thinking that you know, in just a month, I'm going to be down in Arkansas getting ready to get uh getting ready to get this church planted and man am I ever excited. Next Saturday, I'm actually going to be going out there. So, uh I'm going to leave my car there, then fly back and then we're going to drive uh, a moving truck out there. So, that is something that I am just I'm so excited to get out there and to see what it looks like out there. I've never even been to Arkansas and here, you know, God's been calling me to this place that I've never even been. But uh, you know, wherever he leads me, I'm I'm more than happy to go. So, Anyway, just a quick announcement for you guys. We do still have those uh, clear window stickers available. We've got a lot of them left still, so if you're interested in picking one of those up, my uh, email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. Just go ahead and send me an email and give me your address, and I will be more than happy to send one to you. I just need to know where to send it. I'm paying for it out of my own pocket, the the shipping and everything. So just let me know where to send it. I'll be happy to send you guys one. But uh, anyway, we've got a a lot to cover here today, so let's go ahead and get started with a quick word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, there are so many things about you that, uh, that we struggle to understand, so I just pray that this study will answer those questions that we have. And uh, if we don't understand you, Lord, I just pray that you will bring us to a point where we do have an understanding of you, in order that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, among the required classes that I've taken in my seminary training, there are a small handful of classes which have just completely and totally revolutionized the way I see things. I took a pastoral care class, and in that class I read this book called Body Life by Ray Steadman, which, by the way, is on our recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org, and that book is fantastic. You know, when I read this, I realized that the purpose of the church was actually found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and once I realized what the purpose of the church really was, it just... it completely set my heart on fire to see that purpose fulfilled. And it was at that point that I really started feeling my calling to plant a church. So, you know, that was one class that had a, you know, just a a big impact on me. Another class which had a great impact on me was logic. And, uh, you know, once I took logic, I began to see the logic, or the lack thereof, actually, of the world 
around me. I started seeing all these self-defeating arguments like everywhere I looked. You know, just three years ago, I saw the Star Wars Episode Three movie for the first time, and there's a line in the movie in which Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Anakin are getting ready to, you know, have this big lightsaber duel, and Obi-Wan Kenobi says, only a Sith deals in absolutes. And at the time, it just completely flew over my head. Of course, you know, the, the Sith are the bad guys who have the ability to use the Force, but they use it for bad. The nemesis of the Jedi who use the, the Force for good. But anyway, I totally missed the fact that by saying that only a Sith deals in absolutes, Obi-Wan Kenobi was actually making an absolute statement. So taking logic totally opened my eyes and enabled me to better analyze statements and arguments than I ever had before. And a third class, which uh, completely revolutionized my view of things, was uh, one of the four systematic theology classes that I had to take, in which we studied God's nature and attributes. And I never knew that God was so complex, even though he's simple. Uh, and, and that's what we say philosophically, and we're going to get around to exactly what that means when we say that God is simple, actually, in uh, one of our next couple lessons. But it was really just an awesome, awesome experience to feel like I was learning so much about God's nature and about his character. And it really drew me just so much closer to him once I started feeling like I knew so much more about him. You see, there's this psychological phenomenon that I believe, and I'm just completely convinced that God built into each one of us, which causes us to become more and more like what or whom we most admire or most look up to. You know, for teenagers who look up to rock stars or, you know, pop singers or whatever, they want to be like those people for better or for worse. Sadly, you know, it's, it's usually for the worse these days. But, uh, you know, they, they model their own behavior after that person. You know, for athletes who grow up participating in a sport, they usually look up to someone who has excelled in their sport, and they want to be like the person who has excelled. You know, Kobe Bryant is one of the best basketball players ever to play the game, one of the best players the, the world has ever seen. But part of his greatness can be attributed to the fact that he grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, studying Jordan's every move. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, millions of kids grew up idolizing Michael Jordan. Uh, Harold Miner comes to mind. Uh, but, you know, most of the kids who idolized Jordan weren't blessed with the same physical talent that people like Kobe Bryant have. But I honestly believe that God designed us to function this way, where we become like what we look up to the most, because he wants us to look up to him more than anyone else. And as we do that, we become more like him. As we look up to him and worship him, we naturally become more like him. And for that reason, how deeply and how accurately we understand God will greatly impact the degree to which we ourselves become godly people. Now, God created each one of us, believers and non-believers alike, with a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. Most of us who are now believers, when we tell you our, our story of how we became Christians or, you know, tell you our testimony, we'll tell you that, you know, we tried to fill that hole inside of us with things other than God. And, you know, as a result, we were left feeling this emptiness inside of us. And that's because only God can fill this God-shaped hole, this God-shaped vacuum inside of us. King Solomon is another person who had to find this out the hard way. You know, he was the wisest person who ever lived, and yet he too tried to find satisfaction by filling his heart with everything under 
the sun. Yet he found that nothing of this world brought satisfaction. Instead, he came to the realization that everything under the sun is vanity. He realized that ultimate satisfaction is only found in what is ultimate. The desire that we have to feel eternal happiness and fulfillment can only be found in the eternal being. The search for infinite pleasure will only be found in the infinite God. Now, everything else, according to Solomon, is vanity. Augustine said that the soul is restless until it finds its rest in God, and that no God but the true God will do. And this is one reason that it's necessary to have a correct and thorough understanding of God. A second reason is that we can't know what's false unless we first know what's true. This is actually the the very principle which caused C.S. Lewis to become a Christian. It's also a principle that we find in uh, in law enforcement. When the FBI trains people to detect counterfeit currency, they don't start off by giving their uh, their agents a handful of counterfeits and say, here, you know, this is what counterfeit currency looks like. Go ahead and go study that. No, instead they spend hour after hour after hour studying the real deal. They spend an unfathomable amount of time learning everything about genuine currency, down to even the smallest details in order that they will be able to recognize counterfeit money when they see it. And likewise, we will not be able to recognize false understandings of God and false teachings of God unless we fully and accurately know and understand God's nature and character, his attributes. How many times does scripture instruct believers to beware of false prophets or to beware of false teachings? How do we know that a works-based salvation is a false gospel? It's because we know what the true gospel is. We know that the gospel is that salvation is a gift, and a gift, by definition, must be free. It can't be earned. So, studying scripture and studying God's attributes are essential to defending the truth about God and Christianity. The fact is that just about everything we believe, you know, whether it's doctrinally or, you know, just about our Christian faith, all those things can be traced back to having a correct understanding of God as revealed in Scripture, who He is, why He is the way He is, etc. You know, if we don't understand who or what God is, then how could we possibly say that the Bible is the Word of God? We have to know who and what God is in order to properly understand what it means to say that the Bible is the Word of God. After all, you know, for Hindus, for example, there are multitudes of gods. So if you have a a Hindu understanding or a Hindu worldview, you might say, the Word of God, well, which God are you talking about? You know, even our understanding of the end times hinges on a correct understanding of who God is and how he functions. Because if you don't understand that God is eternal and has perfect foreknowledge of the future, you might be led to think that what the Bible says or what the Bible prophesies about the end times is only God's best guess of what's going to happen based only on a perfect knowledge of what is happening and what has in the past happened or transpired. And yes, friends, there is a growing movement of people in the Christian community who deny that God knows the future infallibly the same as he knows the past and present infallibly. God's foreknowledge is certainly one of the things that we'll touch on as we go through this study. So definitely, you know, stay tuned for that. But most importantly, perhaps, is our understanding of the doctrine of reconciliation. If we're going to understand that, we have to understand God's 
nature in order to properly understand why it was necessary for Jesus to be crucified on our behalf we have to understand the aspects of God's nature which made the crucifixion necessary for our salvation and for our redemption we can't understand any of these things unless we have a correct understanding of the kind of God he is now before we wrap up our introduction here if you know anything about me and how I work, uh, you know that I like to address any potential objections that people might hold uh, ahead of time. So the first objection that we might come across when we do a study like this goes something like this. If God is one in his essence, then how can we say that he has many attributes? It seems as though God could have only one attribute since he is only one in his essence. And in response, what we say is, yes, God is one in his essence and in his nature, but that doesn't mean that many things cannot be said about him. Let's take a rock, for example. It can be said that a rock is one in its essence as well. And yet we say a lot of things about a rock. We can say that it's hard, and we can compare its hardness with uh, with the hardness of other rocks and thereby develop an understanding of the degree to which we can assert that the rock is hard. We can also say that a rock is heavy or light or round or flat or that it has different colors. You know, there are many, many, many things that we can say about something that has only one essence. So while it's true that God is one in his essence, it's completely untrue to say that only one thing can be said about God since he is one in his essence. Now, a second objection stems from the way we understand God's attributes. Since God is infinite and we are finite, it seems that we have nothing in common with him and thus can't predicate or say anything about him. And this is the objection raised by various cults, such as uh, the Freemasons. They believe that we can't know anything about God. It's also raised by other religions, such as Taoism. And in response, we have to understand that there are really three different ways that we can talk about God. We can talk about God univocally, which means that when we say something about him, we mean it in the same way that we would mean it if we were talking about finite creatures or about finite things. But the problem with this is that there is indeed an infinite difference between an infinite God and a finite creature. Things that we say about an infinite God have to be said infinitely of him, and things that we say about finite creatures must be said in a finite sense of them. So we can't say things about God in the same sense that we would say things about creatures. So this option, univocal predication or saying things univocally, doesn't work. A second possibility is that we can talk about God equivocally, which means that when we say something about him, we mean it in a way that is totally and completely different from how we would mean it if we were talking about finite creatures or things. But this would leave us completely in the dark and completely ignorant of who God is and what he's like. This option will also invariably lead us to agnosticism, which is actually a self-defeating position since it claims to know that we can't know anything about God, yet one can't say that we don't know anything about God unless we know something about God, and that would be that we don't know anything about God. (laughs) You follow me? We have to know something about God in order to say that we don't know anything about God, so that argument doesn't work. So we can't really speak equivocally about anything in a valid sense. And finally, We can talk about God analogically, which means that when we say something about God, we mean it in a way that is similar. 
to how we would mean it if we were talking about finite creatures or finite things. And this is the only option that works. Univocal claims about God are impossible, and equivocal claims about God are self-defeating, and so speaking analogically about God is the only remaining viable option. You see, God created things like uh, himself. You know, we were made in his image, for example, and therefore it is indeed possible to not only study the attributes of God, but to learn about God, even though he is infinite and we are finite. Now, as you'll see as we go through the study, a lot of the things that we're able to know about God come via negativa, which means the way of negation. In other words, many times, When we say something about God, when we claim to know something about God, we're actually saying something that he is not. For example, as we'll discover in the lessons to come, we say that God is infinite. But this is actually saying that he's not finite. So that's what I mean by the way of negation, via negativa. When we say that God is unchanging, we're saying that he does not change. In fact, we'll see that every single one of his non-moral Uh, characteristics or his non-moral attributes are arrived at in this very manner. And this is because we're speaking analogically. We know God in a finite and limited manner, yet God is unlimited in his being. And for that reason, everything we know about the non-moral attributes of God are arrived at by knowing what God absolutely is not or cannot be. Now, I have to warn you guys, uh, some of the things that we'll be talking about in this study involve using some serious, time-tested philosophy, and I will do my best to define all of our terms as we go along, but in order for you to follow along, it will likely be necessary for you to take these lessons one at a time in the sequence that we do them in. Now, feel free to skip ahead if you must, or, you know, if you know what aseity is, uh, you know, you can go ahead and skip to that lesson. But if you don't know what that is, uh, you might want to listen to that lesson to find out what aseity is uh, or immutability. You know, but just realize that if you come across a term or a phrase in one of our upcoming lessons uh, in this study that you're unfamiliar with, you might have to go back and go through the lessons which preceded it. When I went through this study of God's attributes, I had to read a book that was more than 650 pages in length. 650 pages. And man, it wasn't double-spaced. It was all, you know, written pretty small. But what I'm hoping to do here is to merely give you all a condensed scaled-down version of that book. Something a little easier to understand and nowhere near as long. The downside of that is that we're not going to get into nearly as much depth or detail in this study, but the goal of this study is not to get as deep as we possibly can. Instead, our goal is to just kind of skim over the surface of these things and to acknowledge them. But what I'm really hoping to do with this study is to spark a passion in all of you to know and understand God better than you ever did before and more than you ever even imagined possible. As you find things that you're interested in, you know, maybe knowing more about or finding out more about, my prayer is that you will pursue those things by finding resources which will bring you to a deeper understanding than you'll likely get in this study. We're just trying to skim the surface here. But, you know, most importantly, I hope that we can all, myself included, I hope that we can all gain a deeper appreciation and a deeper love for God, a deeper sense of awe. I want us to come to the point where our only response is to say, wow, God, you're more awesome than I ever realized. That's the goal of this study. 
So anyway, I hope you stick around and listen to these lessons that we'll be doing every Wednesday. Uh, It doesn't matter that I'm going to be moving because what I'm doing here is I'm going to be actually recording a bunch of lessons all at one time and I'll be uploading them before I move so that they'll be released on uh, on set days. So we're not going to skip a beat here. Uh, I plan on getting a bunch of stuff done before I leave and uh, doing about 10 podcasts is one of the things that I plan on doing before we leave. But anyway, I hope you stick around and Uh, and that you enjoy this series that we're doing. This study is going to be good. But God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions, you can email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. So anyway, hope to see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Thank you.